What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. They went to work just focusing on small to medium-sized customers. With zero, we had zero customers. I just took my top three guys. I said, "Hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna run this back. We're gonna try with all of our information that we have of how to do it better a second time. Take another bite at this apple." Um, that was always my big what if. It's like, you know, what if we finally have that one nuclear claim? You know, right. that, that just you know I can't talk our way out of or what? I don't know. You know, and uh, eventually it came to pass. I mean, really, it's just weird. You know, my instincts were right, 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 right. Turn my mic up. Where you? Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. Let's get it. Let's get it. Hustle fam, hustle fam. We are back with another amazing, amazing episode today. We have a special treat for you. I have my brother Tyson Lawrence in the building. He is the president and CEO of Tactic Logistics. Man, what can I say, man? You have some pretty, pretty spectacular numbers, my brother. 15 million in sales in the last four years. One of Inc. 500's fastest growing companies. You know, we have a lot to talk about, man. I want to talk about some tactics, no pun intended, right? You know, let's let, let's talk about how you got into this transportation industry. So first of all, before we get started, Tyson, welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you, sir. And, and pleasure to be here. I'm excited to get, get on with you and do some rapping. This is going to be fun. No doubt, no doubt. Now, first connected with Tyson, uh, he actually posted on LinkedIn. He has an amazing comeback story. You know, I read his story. I was really, really excited. You know, I was like, man, I got to get him on the show. So we're going to get into that story. But first, Tyson, let's let's tell the audience a little bit about how you got into transportation. Give them a little bit of your backstory. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went to college. I'm originally from the Northwest, Pacific Northwest. And, uh, was just looking for a job and C.H. Robinson hired me, you know, one of the biggest in the you know brokerage game. And I didn't really know much about logistics or transportation, but it was a job and they were sending me to California. So I was like, right on. Yeah. And uh, got down here and, you know, got into a good group and really got trained up about all the aspects of the business, you know, and uh, my buddies were in different aspects. So I'd sit with them drinking a beer, asking questions and just realized there's a lot of angles to the business and a lot of strategy involved in uh so I just got, I stayed in the business for a few years. I left there and did some smaller things, worked for a drage company, got the truck side of the aspect. Um, then I went on to refrigerated freight and was doing perishable goods. Anything super high risk, high, you know, volume or volatility, pharmaceuticals, per- produce, floral, things like that. And, um, you know, from there, I was kind of wondering, you know, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I had originally thought about going to law school, um, right out of college, but I was just too young. And so I thought, well, let's just get a real job and check that out. And so I, I went to my mentor, one of my mentors, and I just said, Hey, look, I'm gonna go back to school, but I'm gonna do it at night. I've got to, you know, I'm getting married and all that kind of stuff. So I got to do it at night. Do you mind if I just take one of my customers and kind of just book, you know, book some freight on the side, you know, and make a few bucks. He was like, cool, you know, no problem. So I went out on my own, was going to school at night and uh, doing, the freight by day. And, uh, I realized that when I was in school, that I didn't really want to be a lawyer. You know, I, I really wanted, I, I wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I started to enjoy the building of the company or I wanted to enjoy that more. And, um, I need to focus more of my efforts that way. So I did that. I quit school after a year, which my wife was pretty happy about. We've taken on a year <laughs> in law school debt without anything to show for it. But, uh, you know, it helped get the business started. And, you know, for 10 years, I grew that business. And about five years through, we got kind of into a a rut. And, um, you know, I kind of was looking at different angles to to diversify. And that's what uh, we did. And eventually met a group and did some, you know, Global Trans. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're a big um, company. And we... um, we started to run into some problems at that, at my company, basically meaning that, 
we were two in bed with our biggest client, the original client, and they controlled us. They were essentially running the business. We kind of diversified within them and not outside of them. And we had a lot of opportunity. It was easy business to get. You're already doing it, but uh, eventually it made me pretty uh, reliant on them. So, you know, eventually the legal uh, situation came, you know, business can happen, you know, stuff pops up, especially in perishable goods, things, you know, disputes break out on occasion. And one of them ended up causing us to have to basically make a decision. Do we continue down this road where we can have no power over ourselves or do we scrap it, take our medicine and start over again? And I kind of felt that was the best way. You know, I got sat down with some mentors in my life. I'm big on mentorship and having those guys in your life. Cause when stuff hits the fan, you got to have some people to bump ideas off of. And those guys are really good about that. So I spun out tactic logistics group from that mess. And I know we could probably go back and talk about that more, but really that's where we're at now is tactic logistics group is five years old and it's uh, risen out of the ashes of uh, failure. And, um, you put up some of the numbers you know, we've done in four or five years and pretty, you know, incredible. I've got a great team over here and we do a lot of things, but much like the name, we're very strategic about what we do. You know, we only work with people who we know we want to work with and we have the freedom now to do that. And, you know, we work with a lot of different companies from bottled water to, you know, I don't know, flame retardant material, you know, there's just all kinds of stuff in the middle and a lot of relationships to manage. So that's where we're at now. Tactically justice group. We're uh Growing and doing great things. Awesome. All right, let's take a bet. Let's let's yeah. let's start from the beginning because I'm I'm kind of digesting everything you're saying. So you said you started with C. H. Robinson, right? Right. So how was it? Uh, you know, coming into the business, working with a mega uh, brokerage like C. H. C. H. Robinson. Um, tell me a little bit about that experience because you didn't know anything about transportation at that time, right? Absolutely not. Yeah, you know, I kind of just fell into the game, and um, you know there's a lot of things about working for a big company can do for you. You know, they provide stability and, you know, great opportunities and stuff like that. Um, and not knowing much about the corporate world or what I wanted to do out in the real world. Um, you know, it gave me an opportunity to get my feet under me and, you know, provide a good foundation. And there I discovered the love for the business. I didn't know I exactly loved the business yet, but I liked making the deals. I liked the hustle, I liked the problem solving the getting to know the carriers and the customers and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, I mentioned um, a lot of my um, friends were in the same boat as me. They were from all over different parts of the country and they were brought to this office and we were all the same age. And so when we'd hang out at night, you know, we'd ask questions or at least I would, you know, I was a sponge, you know, I was bugging people all the time. I was always wanting to talk shop, you know, right. we're like, you know, Tyson, quit talking shop. You know, it's like, let's have a good time. It was interesting to me. So um, during that time, I discovered like what less than truckload was, drage was, you know, all these different types of, um, you know, inter- it's just of the transportation business that it's so vast. So that's what's good about it in working inside that environment and getting a good education. But on it's- the flip side, it's tough. You're like, where's my where, where do I rise? You know, what's my path? Got you. Got you. Did, did you like it? Yeah, I liked it overall for okay. the time. Yeah, for the okay. time. Got you. So ultimately, what would you say was your biggest takeaway from, from working at C.H. Robinson? Probably just the vastness of the transportation business, how big of a pie it really is. Okay. You know, especially working with them, um, it was, uh, you know, what are they like, the top, I don't know, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but, you know, they're one of the behemoths, they're the mega right. you know, right. brokers out there. So. At the time, there weren't a lot of other companies. You know, um, C.H. Robinson's one of the first people. This sounds like a commercial form, but you know, <laughs> one of the first, they were one of the first to do it, you know, yeah. and establish it. So yeah. um, they kind of created the industry. But yeah, um, yeah that was, that's what I like the most about it. And, you know, having the camaraderie of being a part of a big team. Got you, got you, got you. All right. So you, after you left them, you went to law school, right? You, 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 you tried much. your hands at law school. So what made you change careers? You, what, what made you say, all right, you know what? Let me try something different. Cause you, you were liking, you were liking uh, the brokerage. You were liking what you were learning there. So right. what made you take that pivot and shift into law school? Challenge. You know, okay. I was kind of, you know, I hadn't, you know, I wasn't being challenged much in the industry and I couldn't find my path forward, you know? And okay. Now, I had done a couple other little things in the industry. I had gone to uh, a smaller company, you know, so I went on the opposite side of the spectrum. 
Okay. And then um, kind of swung back to a company that was somewhere in the middle before I went out on my own. But yeah, that was really more than anything. I was just leveling off in the industry and I needed to take the next step and I couldn't find that next step. So, you know, I, I just thought maybe law school is it. And uh, yeah, I realized that's not what it was. Gotcha. Now, when you started working, you said you started working part time, right? During right. the freight brokerage on the side. How, how was that situation set up? Um, were you working through somebody? Just explain that again for, for me. Sure, sure. Yeah, no. So I had gone out and got my MC. Okay, and, okay. Uh, yeah, I got broker bond, did all that stuff. What was so the name this, of that company? Uh, PacWest Distributing. Okay, cool. Gotcha. So, yeah, they, um, back then, you know, it was different. You know, there weren't as many people uh, doing it. But there were a lot of brokers in the market. Okay. Still a lot. So this was 2006, something like that. Okay. And uh, yeah, so with the whole process and PacWest was, you know, we were on our own. So I did the whole thing, you know, and I learned a lot there. And that was the thing that even out of that failure, it was, it was my, what it turned out to be was 10 years of graduate school. Got you. Got you. Know, you. I, got my M, I got my MBA through the hard knocks of actually doing it. So initially that was like a one man operation, just you yep. on, on your own going to school and brokering freight. Right. Right. How were you, how were you able to manage those two things? I was young. <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot of energy. Yeah, no, I look back on it now. Yeah, I was young. I couldn't do that shit now. But, how, how, how did you like, how did you like uh, break up your day? Like how, what was the schedule? Like school so pretty much day? in the morning I would get, I get up in the morning, um, check on all my freight, book all my loads for the day. Um, afternoons, I would try to get some reading in for school, preparing for school. And then I would check on all my trucks in the afternoon. You know, things would really get thrown into a whack of, uh, you know, there were problems or situations. You know, this is on a good, clean day. You know, on the days that there were problems, I was running with my hair on fire. But, uh, you know, it was really... um, Managing your time, being organized for one. That, and that's another thing that taught me, you know, during that time was uh, how organized and time management you got to be disciplined in. And so probably about uh, seven o'clock, I'd head to school. And then from or no, six o'clock and then from seven to 10, I was in school. And then I'd get home, you know, get something to eat, hang out, go to bed, get up and do it again. And you know what? Sometimes I'd be getting up out of class and going and having to take a call. Some driver stuck at a shed, uh, a produce shed, and trucking or or you know whatever. And uh, we, uh, I got to solve that problem, right? You know, and then, so I'd take care of it. I'd run back in. I told my, you know, people knew everybody there was executives or people that had jobs during the day, so it was pretty you know, relaxed. But it was it was tough. It was a lot of energy. And, and, and what'd you do to build your book of business? How'd you do in terms of, of sales or funding? A lot of calls, you know, cold calls. And again, I kind of relied on that one customer at the time. Okay. And so as I grew the business, I grew within that company. So if that makes any sense is that gotcha. you know, it was a large retail grocery operation. And so they had produce, but they also had, you know, dry freight, you know, intermodal LTL. They had a lot of different opportunities inside of it. And, you know, that's easy. They just pass your name around. You get a call from John in the floral department and he wants to do a load with you. You do a good job over in produce. Can you help me out on this stuff? And then you get in with them and you start growing. And that's how the business grew. Gotcha. And I would add people to that. And it just seemed like every time I added somebody else to it, it got sucked into that vortex when I, when I really started to kind of you know go away from it. So it was a really interesting phenomenon that we can probably even talk about later. But um, it's... Uh, it took a, it was, a, it was a real eye-opening experience at that point to realize that, Hey, I got to check this or, you know, the whole reason why I started my business in the first place isn't there. The free got, got you with, without naming names, obviously, H- how did you even connect with this, with this big mega company being new, you know, being a new MC, a new broker, well, how were you I, able to build that relationship? Well, I took the relationship over from my okay. previous company, okay. which was okay. hard. And that was one of the parts where, you know, having to look my mentor in the face and be like, Hey, I know this is one of, you know, I've been handling it, but it, I had, it's inside your company. You know, how do you like, can I take it? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. So we worked out a deal and, you know, he was a great guy, you know, still somebody today that I rely on for advice. And, uh, you know, I think he, he respected the fact that I came to a man to man. I didn't try to do some shady shit. And right. Quit and, you know, so, but that's how I roll, you know, I just, and we um, we worked it out, and it was literally like two loads. 
three loads. So it wasn't even like a, a threat to them. And it was just because I had such a good relationship with the customer already. They were willing to help me out. They knew what I was doing too. Got you, got you, got you. Understood. So you kind of spoke to like kind of having all your eggs in one basket, right? With that particular customer. Um, what are some of the some of the, the advantages to that? And then what are some of the disadvantages to that? Can you speak to that? Because there's probably a lot of people who will be in a situation like yours to where they'll get a customer and they'll try to build off of that customer's back. Right. right? So so what are some of the advantages and, and some of the disadvantages? Well, definitely the advantages are, you know, it's kind of easy business and your work speaks for itself. Um, you know, in, in the transportation game, there's referrals, but it's not like a lot of other industries or referrals are being tossed out all the time. So, um, you know, being with a bigger company, you've got opportunity. You know, you don't have to put as much work into chasing the freight, so to speak, you know, making cold calls and doing all that stuff while managing your carriers. You can really focus on managing your carriers. So that's one of the really good options, you know, uh, pay, you know, you can work out a good pay structure with them. You're not having to worry about collecting from a bunch of different people. You're collecting from one place. Um, but yeah, so having a big opportunity like that, it's good. It's great. I'm not going to, you know, it's just, you can't make it your only game. Right. Right. And, and what, what were some of the disadvantages? Disadvantages again, you know, you just, you got all your eggs in one basket, you know, you have an argument on, on something over here. It can affect something over there. And, right. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of takes a lot of energy in, in your business, not only from you, but everybody. And as I, that's one of the things I noticed is I tried to diversify away from them that everybody I hired seemed to kind of like gravitate over to there. You know, there would be a, a project or something like that that would come up and it'd be, you know, I can't turn this down. This is X amount of money, you know, so it'd take Johnny off making cold calls and put him on this project. Next thing you know, he's running that project for the next two or three years. You know, and it, well, you got good business. Again, it, it's good for you. It's just increasing your reliance, you know, on that one. And so, you know, I was having conversations at a higher level, you know, with CEOs and everybody up there and making sure we were guiding through issues that we had. But it, uh, you know, inevitably things change in business. Got you. What about on the carrier side? How did you recruit carriers? How did you go about doing that? So carriers is interesting. Carriers is a really interesting aspect, and that's what makes this job really hard. And I think you have a lot of trucking companies that uh, follow your your work, and uh, I think you come from the trucking side too. And brokers don't have a really good name. All right, guys. Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now let's get back to the show you in the industry. And, and so that's, that's hard. You know, it's really hard. Again, it's relationships. I, I took a lot of my relationships over and, you know, credibility over from my previous position and then built off of that. Um, but, you know, it really starts with one, you know, and you just kind of start building that one and you just got to take step by step by step. And, and, and I know it's frustrating, especially when you're first starting out, you know, um, you know, you got all the pressures, you want to get it right away, but really it's just, developing solid relationships with carriers. So they'll talk with their buddies, you know, trucks like to talk, you know, they don't have the CV anymore, but they got Facebook. <laughs> I see you all on Facebook, you know, they get, they get after it. So um, yeah, it's just a good word of mouth and you just treat them well, you know, treat the carriers well. And we drive off of empathy, you know, we got to, and that's one thing when I worked for the carrier, the drainage company, is I learned what the challenges are that they face on a day-to-day basis, you know, being a carrier. So I think that helped. You know, us just being empathetic to their 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 troubles, or their, you know, it's hard. It's hard being a trucker. You know, especially when you're doing produce and things like that, because of some crazy hours they'll load you in the middle of the night, or they won't load you. You know, so it can be tough. It can be tough. So yeah, just developing good relationship with carriers is, is one of the. Was there anything else you did to stand out? I mean, because you came from a really a, a, a big company, so you probably right. had some advantages because you were smaller. You know what I mean? What, what, right. what else did you do to stand out as a smaller company? Yeah. You know, as I think more about it, you know, it was uh, really trying to keep a, a good circle of, of carriers. I know it goes back, keeps going back to relationships, but we would try to um, 
just get word passed through. We work with a lot of uh, Sikh Indians over here on the Yuba city here in California. They do a lot yep. of freight out there. So developing good relationships with them was, was important in uh, trying to develop um, a, a core of um, carriers that know that you've got good freight and you pay well, you, you do good and all that type of stuff. So what, what was some of your strategies to find them? I mean, because there's a cultural uh, disparity there, right? right. How, how did you contact and come in contact with them? Well, you know, we did a lot of um, kind of networking through them. We okay. would, I'd go meet with them, have lunch with them, things like that. So it was really, you had to kind of go to them. More Got or less. you. So there were times I've been to the Yuba City, you know, in fair. They have a big uh, 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 festival up there. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's, it's huge for their culture. And uh, so we'd go up there and just really develop tight bonds with them. We understood them. Again, we, we were coming from their perspective. We were trying to be a broker that was coming from their perspective, from the trucker's perspective. Got you. I'm at your peak, how much carries would you say you, you were working with? Shoot, probably about, gosh, on the, on the regular, we would probably work with about 500. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we were moving quite a bit of freight. So Got we, you. But we'd had, you know, like thousands in a year we would talk to or move freight with on one-offs. Got you. And, and how many customers out at this time, aside from, you know, the big customer you had, how many other customers, just a roundabout idea, do you think you were working Yeah, with? probably about two. Probably okay. Had, yeah. I mean, we so were- So you, really you literally had your eggs in one basket. <laughs> it was like 80, I'm not kidding you. It was like 85%. And, wow. and I won't lie. I, I had an epiphany. I was in bed, you know, thinking, holy shit, you know, what if something goes wrong? And I think as a CEO and as, a, as an entrepreneur, you're always thinking of like the what ifs, you know, and, right. and those things that keep you up at, keep you up at night. And um, that was always my big what if is like, you know, what if we finally have that one nuclear claim, you know, right. that, that just, you know, I can't talk our way out of or what, I don't know, you know, and uh, eventually it came to pass. I mean, right. really, it's just weird. You know, my instincts were right. And I think that's another piece of advice that I learned from in that time was just trust your instincts. Got you. Got you. Got you. I love it. Okay. So um, moving forward, um, we have the situation there, that business dissolves and you kind of start over. Tell me about having to start over emotionally. What were you going through? Tell me about that whole process. Yeah, man, this is, uh, this was hard. So it was uh, about six years ago. So I'm a little removed from it. I can talk about it now, but it was, uh, it was a journey. We get down towards the end of the relationship with this big customer and we have a change in ownership there and they change the rules on us. Basically there's some legal disputes, contract disputes that go down and I see things sinking. Things are going down. Like this is bad. And uh, it got pretty, you know, carriers, you know, were involved and that's the hard part about this. These relationships you develop and carriers they're the ones that when something like that happens, they're the last ones to kind of get things taken care of. But um, we just had to really strategically think our way through. I just think through how this was going to go down, you know, and not only protect myself, but my employees and everybody like that. But it was hard because I felt like we were being taken out of the game when we still had a good group. Like we could have, if it wasn't for this situation, we could still keep growing yeah, we needed to change some stuff, but, you know, so basically what I did is I spun off the group that was working with uh, Global Trans and they uh, started a new company called Tactic Logistics Group, which is uh, the German word for strategic, T-A, T-A-T-I-K, yeah. <laughs> I to think for a second there. Yeah. And um, they went to work just focusing on small to medium sized customers with zero. We had zero customers. I just took my top three guys. I said, Hey, look, we're going to, we're going to run this back. We're going to try with all of our information that we have of how to do it better. A second time, take another bite at this apple. And they looked at me like I was crazy, you know, because at this time they knew everything was going down. I had to lay off seven other people, um, basically just start winding down the company and I said, you guys, I got a job for you, but we're going to do this again, you know, and I want to focus on this. And they said, all right, you know, we trust you. And my wife was last to come on. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got her to come around and say, hey, look, I think we can do this better the second time around. Right. We've only got, you know, $10,000, but I think we can make that fly, you know. Right. So we started over 
and I had them going while I finished up at PacWest and took that into basically a bunch of legal um, stuff and uh, eventually into bankruptcy, which sucked. And then had to come over to Tactic and start running Tactic with the new mentality that we'd kind of established. Got you. Those seven people that you had to lay off, that, those were other brokers? Yep. Yeah, gotcha. other brokers. They were doing different things inside the business, whether it was AR, AP, um, track and trace operationally. Um, I think we had two other brokers in there that were out. So, yeah, it was kind of a mix. Got you. So when, when you're dissolving a company, a company like that, what is like your first priority? What's the main thing that you want to think about when, cause there's probably people who will be in your shoes at some point and right. now you have some hindsight to think back to, you know, you were able to build back up. Right. So what was probably the most important steps you took during that time of dissolving that company that helped you now later? Just be honest with yourself. Just be real with it. The longer you, pro, you know, you, you prolong it, you know, and you think that you're going to like, it's going to change or, or what you just got to really understand what are the core aspects here? You know, who, you know, or what is going to help me move forward, you know, and you just got to start assembling those things. You know, it's different for everybody, you know, maybe it's personally, maybe it's your, you know, your uh, carriers or your, your customers or, or what, there's just so many things running through your head at that time that, you want to help everybody and you got to let the lawyers do that. And that's the hardest part. But really, um, I think if you're going to start over again or you're going to you're in this position, uh, you just really got to be honest with yourself and just be like, this is you know, this is where we're at, you know. And I think that's the hardest part because you want to always kind of like rationalize it as an entrepreneur, like, you know, but it's not this, it's that. But you just got to be really honest to say, I fucked up here or I messed up here. But then. You got to be like, well, how can I do better now that I know that? Right. You know, that's how you come forward. Right. So tactic, a few drivers from the old company, well, a few carriers from the old company. Maybe you brought that you were able to bring in the employees over as well. Well, so basically when we went with Global Trans, we turned over everything to them. Okay. Let's talk about that. Talk about that transition. Yeah. So Global Trans had um, been with us as a technology provider. We were starting to diversify into less than truckload and, you know, dry freight and things like that. And I found that the technology at that aspect was, was there wasn't a lot there, but uh, Global Trans was the ones doing it and they were doing a good job of it. So we decided to partner up with them to kind of help develop that out. Well, when that relationship was no longer what it was going to be, you know, I started looking around like, okay, if I'm going to go somewhere and try to rebuild a brokerage, I, I couldn't do it under new MC. I mean, you have to think too, you know, a year later, I staved off personal bankruptcy for uh, like six months, seven months from that previous situation. So I was having to start a new company with no credit, no access to no credit. Really, everything was like I couldn't touch anything. And so that is so hard. And so when Global Trans kind of stepped up and said, hey, you guys come over here. You just come use our technology to build upon a digital brokerage, basically a boutique digital brokerage where all of our freight would come in, they would book the trucks, they had the relationships. You know, we had to just mainly work on the on the customer side and develop the customers in. And so that's what we really started to do at Tactic was focus solely on the customers and then outsource kind of the, the carrier aspect to um, Global Trans. How difficult was it to, to, to get that relationship going with Global Trans? It, you know, it wasn't too difficult just because, you know, I had some, they knew who we were and they knew what was going down. Um, and you know, we could be honest with them and just be like, look, we fucked up, you know, we, we've got our eggs in one basket, but we know how to, you know, get out of it. Right. And, uh, they were, they were cool with it. They were, you know, there was the legal entanglements were on a different company and, you know, I wasn't encumbered by them. So, um, we, uh, we struck up a great relationship. Now, I don't know how picky they are at getting agents. They got about 650 agents now. There was only probably like 100 when we first came on. But I do know that they are looking for agents. So if there's any brokers that want to, you know, take a look at them, they do have some great technology. Got you. What else, aside from their technology, like their TMS system, do they offer as far as back end to, to help you out? Your AR, AP, um, your accounting, your um, claims, your you know, booking your truckloads, you know, those, these are all things that would take up my time 
and I handled on a day-to-day basis working out without an MC or with an MC, I'm sorry, with an MC. Gotcha. You've got to make sure you know, everybody's getting paid. You got to make sure you're getting paid. You got to you know handle all that stuff. You don't got to focus on that. You can just focus on you know building good customers. Got you. So how how, how did you start building customers again? Hitting the phone, babe. Just, <laughs> <laughs> get a cold calling, and you know we had a couple other you know customers that you know I reached back out to, or some of us reached back out to, but. It was really just grind and pound the phones and relationships, emails, you know, any which way we could get in front of people. And we were kind of real, real strategic. We, we got niched into the food and beverage market, you know, but we would do other things too. Um, we were spreading ourselves out because we could, you know, but if I were to do it on an individual level, I would recommend just finding a niche, you know, and trying to develop as many contacts within that niche as possible. So if you're looking at food and beverage, you just get in there and learn and, and, and uh, talk to people and uh, try to move some freight. Got you. Are there any best practices that you could share that, you know, in terms of uh, reaching out? Because I think that's one of the hardest, the, one of the biggest problems people have is just connecting with shippers, yeah. right? Like, yeah. how do I, especially when you're new, how yeah. do you how do you break through? How do you get them to listen to? Can you offer any type of advice on that for a new broker starting out? Yeah, you know, there's not a silver bullet, but, you know, there's a lot of different ways. And I think really it's just, um, you know, try to catch their attention somehow, whether it's, it may just seem, you know, it may seem obvious, but really in your emails, be personable, you know, be uh, authentic. You know, I think there's a lot of inauthentic, you know, type of stuff happening where they get hit by hundreds of phone calls in a day and a hundred thousand, you know, computer generated emails. That if you can just somehow reach them through a, a one-on-one connection, authentic perspective, you're going to have much more success. And that, I mean, that's a challenge. I know that's kind of a broad thing, but you know how we tackle it. We try to get in people's faces. Now, the coronavirus has changed things a bit. Um, we've had to pivot and just spend more time on the phone. People don't pick up the phone anymore, so that's hard. Um, emails are getting hammered by emails, so that's hard. But you just got to do it. You just you know, try, you get five seconds to have somewhere to pique their attention. You got to kind of just be unique in that five seconds. What would you say they're mo- they're most concerned with? What's the, do they care about price? Do they care about customer service? What's the thing that they care about the most? I, you know, most of them say price isn't an issue, but when you get down to it, it always becomes price. But if you win on price, you're going to lose on price. So you've got to be able to, you know, tell them that, you know, give me an opportunity, you know, and whether you make money on that shipment or you don't is irrelevant. You just got to take that opportunity and service the hell out of it. You know, can you explain that? You said if you win on price, you lose on price. Can you go? So I mean, if you win, if you win, if you win a shipment because you got the best pricing, then they're going to find somebody else that's going to have better pricing than you eventually, Mm. you know, and it's going to be a race to the bottom and you're just going to be chasing your tail and, and doing it for less and less and less. So you don't want to, you know, if you're dealing with a customer that's purely about price, just keep that in mind. If you're going to win it, you can lose it just as quickly on the price. So you always got to be on your toes and you always got to be making sure you're, you're, uh, you're uh, just being in the ball game, so to speak. You know, you're not too far out there. Got you. In the last 20 years, what changes have you seen? Oh, the technology by far. Yeah, it's been fun, to be honest with you. Um, seeing how taking an industry like transportation and logistics where it's so data-driven, so analytical at its heart that it was resistant to technology for so long. You know, there's still some guys out there doing some, you know, stuff from the 80s and the 90s, which is crazy to me. But um, it works, for one, and this is a complex business. You got, you know, passing information and communication and things like that. And so it's been fun to kind of just see it all come to the industry now. People like yourself are willing to talk about it and, you know, be out there and, you know, discuss it and help. You know, none of these tools were available when I started my first company. You know, Google was there. You know, that was great. I mean, that was mind blowing. But, you know, as far as, you know, YouTube and um, stuff like that, you know, to listen to somebody who's done it before, never. So, yeah, it's definitely the technology. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's going to be something that I think only gets better. Gotcha. What, what, what tool do you use the most? What's your favorite app in your phone? Oh. <laughs> well, for your business, that that that. Person. Yeah, really. That was, that was a <laughs> question there. 
wife's going to watch this one. Right, right. right. Uh, <laughs> now, I would and LinkedIn for sure, you know, and that's another piece of technology. I think networking mm. is so strong in business, period, you know, and you really look at the logistics industry and transportation in general, trucking, brokerage, all of it revolves around communicate, or, you know, networking, communicating, and, you know, developing relationships and all kinds of stuff. I mean, Trucks were the first ones to really, you know, be in communication all the time, you know, with their CB radios, you know, and they've always had to have that communication. So just kind of taking that to the next level and being in groups, Facebook groups, things like that, and just talking about the industry and listening, you know, absorbing. Got you. How'd you go about diversifying your business this time around? Well, we just, we cast a wide net, you know, and we learned. You know, that was another thing, too, is we we started looking at, you know, who ships what. And you that's where you start blowing your mind. And you start realizing how small of the overall pie that C.H. Robinson has. And they're so large that the amount of pie you have and we're all competing for is so minuscule that there's enough business out there for everyone. Right. You know, it's not I mean, it's competitive, but it's not like, you know, we're all fighting over this over the same crumbs, you know. So we start just looking at a lot of different companies and how they ship. And we were, we were amazed by, you know, just how infinite that is, you know, everybody, I mean, every business moves something. Just Got about. you. Got you. Do, you. do you think the competition is good for the business or bad for the business? I think it's good. I think competition is always good. You know, I think if not, especially here, you can get ripped off if you're not doing your homework, you know, as a shipper's concern, or even as a carrier, the carriers got to do their homework too and find out what are good, you know, you know, good freight rates and things like that. So yeah, it's, I think it's good. Oh, it's always, always, overall good. Got you. Are you able to share any strategies around like pricing, like helping people when they're, when they're negotiating any negotiating tactics? I mean, you don't got to get too specific. You don't got to give your secret sauce, but (laughs) any, any, anything that people could think about when they're looking to, you know, learn negotiating or um, when they're negotiating price for for their brokerage. Um, Yeah. You know, it's really a, you know, I keep going back to it and hitting on it, but it's really empathetic, you know, aspect. You have to understand where your your the person on the other phone is coming from. You know, how do they win? You know, what are they looking for? And if you can kind of form that around what you're looking for, then you're going to get good pricing, and everybody's going to win. And I know, like, how do you do that? How do you? Do that? <laughs> you know, really, it's just listening. You know, listen to what they're saying, and then you have to be real with yourself. And what can you live with? And what can you do? And What's your bottom line? You know, everybody's wanting the most for themselves, you know, and that's natural. But, you know, that's kind of a one-sided negotiation. Negotiation's got to be a two-way street. Effective and good negotiations need to be a two-way street. And so you just got to listen and understand what their perspective is and use some empathy and understanding, you know, where they're coming from. What's been your biggest challenge this time around with building tactic? Um. You know, it's been just trying to keep pushing yourself. You're not really pushing yourself. It's more or less like, what's the next level? You know, how are we growing? Where are we growing? So I think the challenge is not getting too, getting into the same position where you're spread out though. Now you're, you're doing too many things. You're not, you know, staying to your core aspects. And so that's what we're constantly trying to fight against is like, yeah, there's a lot of, opportunities in the industry, but we don't need to chase every one of them. You know, we kind of stay within our framework, which is truckload, LTL, intermodal, you know, air and expedited some, you know, but uh, yeah, I think staying true to your core and what you, what you do is, is, is a challenge, but it's also a challenge worth, you know, fighting. How do you know when to say no and when to say yes? At what point do you say, you know what? Yes. Let me uh, take some of our energy and put it towards that. And but or where's that threshold where you say, no, we're not going to touch that. We're going to stick with what we have. Like, how do you, what's your framework for that? Really? I, 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 this sounds pretty bare bones, but I just follow my instincts. You know, I've been really harnessing my instincts and just being like, I've been through it. You know, I've been through the ups and the downs and the rounds and the bouts. And it's just like, I know when it feels good or I know when, you know, and, and that's hard to quantify, you know, that's hard to say you could pick that up tomorrow. I mean, you really just got to, you know, trust the work and the experiences that you've done, you know, and when you're young and you're new, be willing to make the mistakes to uh, learn from them. Um, 
accountability, that type of stuff. Cause then you get to the point where you have instincts. The, the more you do it, you have instincts. You're understanding, okay, I know what happened down there last time, or I remember this felt that way, you know, stuff like that. And that's hard to teach somebody unless they've actually done it. Gotcha. You, you spoke earlier about, about mentorship and you said that's something that's really, really important to you. How, how did you find your first mentor? So I was 25, 26 running a company, pretty young, um, not a lot of friends, family, things like that. We're doing the same thing. So I did, it's kind of lonely when you're doing that because no, your employees can't relate to you. You know, there's, if you don't know anybody else that's you know, out doing it, it's hard to kind of connect with. And so I found a group here called the Alliance of CEOs. And there's different groups all over the country. There's large ones, medium ones. Look in your local area. I'm sure there's one. Um, not necessarily alliance, but of something similar where they gather local CEOs and everybody kind of talks amongst it. Apparently it's a common feeling of people that, you know, entrepreneurs that run companies, you know, it's just like, you know, it's hard for others to understand. And again, this is why YouTube and you and I connect. It's just like, you know, we understand. So that's where I initially reached out. I got in those groups. I was young. I was the youngest guy in there. There were a bunch of other guys, older guys in there that, uh, I think liked kind of took me under their wing and uh, you were helping me through a lot of the aspects that were difficult, you know, as far as, you know, just running a business, you know, and understanding what it's like to be in a leadership position. Got you. What, what, what did, did any of your mentors help you through any of these like difficult decision making things that you had to do? Oh, absolutely. And so one of the great stories out of that whole, when things were crashing, um, you know, (laughs) I leaned on them. I, so I took, I went and got my lawyer. We had all, all, we had this come to Jesus meeting, you know, it was inevitable in any of these situations. Anytime you hear, you know, you just got to sit down and lay it all out on the table. And so I pulled together, you know, the guys that I leaned on the most. And uh, one of them was a business partner that I, I and mentor that I work with now still, um, you know, he was invested in that company. So obviously I brought him in and I brought in my accountant, you know, and the person I trust with my filing my taxes and all that shit and my lawyer, you know, and we all sat around the table and these were guys and gentlemen that, you know, that I respected their opinion. And I just laid out, you know, three change, you know, three, there's three ways this can go. You know, one, we just pack it all in and then we go home and everybody loses their shorts and we just spend, you know, in litigation, you know, for the next however long Two, do I, you know, try to approach them with a solution and try to salvage this relationship. And then three was let's develop an after plan. Let's wind down plan with an after plan. And they, uh, they thought three was probably the best scenario for everybody involved. And, um, you know, there was money involved and, you know, some people got hurt and, you know, it was hard. It was a hard, hard time to go through. I, I kind of glossed over a lot of it, but, uh, you know, to have those three guys to sit down and help you kind of work through those big decisions in such a pressure packed anxiety time, you know, I just had my second kid, you know, and so I had two little girls and you know, I'm like, what's going on here? You know, how did this all happen? Right. But, uh, you know, mentors come in in those positions when you need them the most, you know, to make you those sound decisions when you're probably not too sound in mind at the time. Got you. Got you. I love it. All right. So 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 back to tactic. Uh, what is the current uh, current size of your business? How many employees do you have? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So we're we had about 15 million dollar run rate. We um, have. Let's see here. We got six employees here now. We're a little more thin you know, we can run a little more lean having a lot of our back office in Scottsdale, Arizona with Global Trans. Um, we, we're, we're an agent for Global Trans. So we work within their marketing and all that kind of stuff and kind of really market ourselves as Global Trans. Um, we've got, we let's see, last year we had over a hundred different customers that we shipped with. So we're pretty diversified. Um, and so we're just, you know, continuing to grow and add you know, good people. And, you know, a lot of what I'm trying to do here is not be the biggest and the baddest, you know, I just want to be the, you know, I want to build a good culture, you know, and work with good customers that appreciate our value. And, you know, likewise, when we have carriers haul our freight, we want carriers that kind of carry that. And, you know, we have a good, um, we have a good group that really does that, that helps us reach out to trucking companies and kind of find the best ones out there for our freight. You said you had six, six employees now. Yeah. 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 
how do you go about like hiring? What's like, how do you look for, look for talent? To, Everywhere. To, Everywhere. Okay. My wife cracks up because I'm like, I'm buying a car. I'm, this, I'm like, I want to hire the car salesman by the time we're done, you know? And I'm like, seriously, like, everywhere we go, I'm like, that could be good. You know, he, he got something there. Right. Uh, no, LinkedIn, um, yeah, I really do the uh, Indeed, you know. Um, really what we're focused on now is kind of getting some young guys in here or people that are new to the business um, that are looking they've never heard of it before are kind of looking for an opportunity to to do something different and this industry is fundamental it's never going anywhere you know it's only going to get bigger and uh you know even on the truck side you know people are worried about autonomous there's going to be plenty of jobs in the autonomous trucking industry i believe mm. and um you know there's just uh you know it's just a good solid business so we're looking for people that you know are willing to learn Got you. Why, why do you want new as opposed to recruiting some old dogs, man? Yeah, I am not discriminating. <laughs> or not, but if we get them in here, hey, trust not, me. Not, 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 and not old as an age, but just more so old as no, in seasoned. You. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. No, we do. I mean, we, and, and that's not that we don't. We just, those guys are set. You know, they, they're good at right. what they do, you know, and there's a reason why we got them and why we're paying them the good money, you know, and it's, and I like that aspect. I love sitting down with guys that, that, you know, know this business inside and out. Um, but as far as kind of, you know, where I'm at personally, you know, and liking to do, I, I just like to help people that are, um, you know, looking for a good job and, you know, that are good, you know, that are um, consistent, organized, you know, disciplined, you know, that type of stuff. And they, uh, it's just good fit. It's a really good fit for the industry. What's the biggest hurdle for a new freight freight broker coming in right now to work for Tactic Logistics? What's what's the biggest hurdle that they face? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. Um, I know what some of the big hurdles for people are just starting logistics business or want to get into freight broker or anything like that is getting on with a, a company like ours or maybe a bigger one. The bigger ones, you know, they're good. You can get as much, you know, or better one-to-one, you know, uh, uh, training so to speak in a, in, in a smaller brokerage so you know i don't i don't personally have anything that that, that would, that's a challenge other than just getting us your name getting us your information providing us your um you know why you want to do it you know and and what what is leading you to this how did you find out about it you know and um it's a lot of it's interesting to hear those stories you know and sometimes people don't i mean they're just like I don't know. I want, I want, I want a, a job. job. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I was like, I can't fault you. That's how I got here, you know? Right. Right. And right. so, you know, I listen to them and, and, and we have some good conversations and, you know, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. I think it's a personality, you know, too. I ultimately, that was the funny thing is when I look back at the end of the day, some of those guys that were in that first office with me are some of my best friends now. And when we were in that, at that time, we were young and, 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 single and, and crazy and you know but you looked around this I looked around the room and I'm like how did I end up here with all these guys that are just like me and I realized they had a personality test that, that they gave us during that time and that's what they heavily relied on was this personality test and so I've kind of always kept that in mind that there's kind of a certain personality and I can't pinpoint it you know what it is but it's just really outgoing and you know likes to you know you know it's a hustler too got you, know? you. Got you. What What are you guys experiencing uh, in in freight right now? Where, where What's the highs? What's the lows? What's, what's going on in the market for you guys? Well, for us personally, you know, on the on the freight brokering side, rates are really high, so we're having to hustle right now. And uh, you know, customers are pushing down. You know, they they don't want to pay. You know, and but trucks need the money, and then the trucks, you know, they they've got the upper hand right now, so they're making a lot of you know good money. Money it should be good out there for the for most of your you know trucking viewers. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's probably our biggest challenge, but the volatility in the market overall, you know, and freight rates, that's really hard. You know, our customers want consistency. You know, a lot of them want to say, Hey, I've got a buck 54 in the budget for the whole year, you know, for this particular lane. And you're just like, well, that's, <laughs> that was last week. You know, now this week it's two Oh five, you know, it's just really all over the place and you can't provide that consistency to them that they're looking for. So that's frustrating, but you know, on the other hand, you know, that's the way our system is set up. It's a real supply and demand driven economy, you know, gotcha. as far as trucking goes. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge right now is the volatility in rates. The vol- how, how do you manage those relationships with, with all that volatility? 
delicately. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Now I just really just, you know, it's communication again, you know, and, and just letting them know. We are, and this is a great thing about the industry now, is there's so much information and data out there that you can understand what rates are doing and why they're doing it. You can explain that to your our customers and we can let them know, um, you know, why their rates have gone from buck 54 to 204, you know, and we can say there's X amount of trucks. Before we could never, we didn't have that data. You know, we, it was always anecdotal. You know, it was always, well, I had heard or we had seen or we're looking at this or we're making this guesstimation. But, you know, companies like Freight Waves are putting out sonar and, you know, uh, platforms like that that give us more information as to why rates are doing what they're doing in certain parts of the country. Because it's not the same everywhere. And so, yeah, that's that's really what it is, is explaining to them and, you know, setting up their expectations, managing their expectations. You know, when they do come in expecting a buck 54, tell them why it's crazy, you know. Got you. Without telling them that they're crazy. <laughs> Got you. So if, if there's a carrier uh, listening right now, what type of carriers do you like to work with? Um, how can they connect with you? Talk, talk a little bit about that. Well, um, yeah, anytime you reach out to me, we can funnel you. If you're not set up with Global Trans, we can get you set up with Global Trans. Um, but a lot of the carriers that we look for, and I can tell you from a brokerage, some of them aren't going to like to hear this, but it's really allowing yourself to be followed. <laughs> okay tracking devices. I know that's the biggest issue or one of the big issues for these guys out there, but it's such an important part for us as brokers and for our customers. Our customers are requesting. So it's really, if you're not willing to to play ball in that area, it's really limiting your opportunity to grow within the industry. So I know it's kind of big brotherish and that's not why, you know, truck drivers are the last American cowboys, you know, they're always, they're all over the world, all over the country and they like their freedom, you know, and I get it. Um, but if you don't want brokers calling you a hundred times a day, um, looking for your location, um, that's the only other thing that, you know, we can do because that's, we're getting heat. We're getting heat about it. It's from our customers. Where's this truck at? I want to know this. I want to know that. And, uh, yeah. So I would just say that's one of the things we look for is compliance with our, you know, our requests. Let's put it that way. We, we, we understand the position there. And so we don't want to be too overbearing on them. And we're, we're very reasonable, yeah. but it's just got to be an understanding that, Hey, our carriers got our customers want to know where the freight's at. Got you. So, I mean, there's tracking. So what, what, what would that, what was that? What, what does that mean specifically? Like when you say follow, can you just explain that a little bit? So like, you know, a um, macro point, some of these other um, app based uh, tracking GPS systems that are downloaded onto carriers phones. Um, I think personally, each uh, carrier owner should provide their driver a phone so they're not having to do it personally. They can, you know, download it to a phone because I know that's an issue for a lot of them not wanting to have a tracking app on their personal phone. But yeah, so that's really tracking is more or less GPS locating devices, you know, whether it's through an app or some sort of uh, tag or, or whatever. Got gotcha. you. Different ways. Got gotcha. you. Everybody wants to know where their freight is at, man. Nothing wrong I with tell that. You. <laughs> I tell you, it, it's crazy. One. You know, they, everybody knows where they, they come to you and they go, well, I know my food's at. Why can't I tell where this is at? You know, and it's like hard to explain to them that, you know, it's not the same. But at the same time, it is. The technology is there. We just got to have compliance. And, you know, again, there's a lot of push in the technology aspect to integrate systems between customers and, you know, 3PLs and stuff like that as far as tracking and, and whatnot. So, it's just one of those issues that I find a lot of truckers have a problem with, and I understand why they do. And um, it's just going to begin to limit the, the ability to get freight from established good brokers. If someone's not caring about where their freight is, I'd worry about whether they're paying their bills or not. Mm, got you. Got you. Okay. So the, so the last, uh, you know, four, six years have been, you know, up, 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 right? We've been rising. What's the next five years look like for Tactic Logistics? You know, hopefully more of the same. You know, it's we, we ran into a headwind here in 2020. I think everybody did. Some were knocked down more than others. Um, you know, one of the things that we were able to, um, you know, kind of buffer with was the, our diversity. It was really interesting to see. We've added this to a lot of our qualifications to um, customers is that we look at their product and, and can put it on a thing now that says, is this essential or not essential? You know, is this an item that, you know, when... <laughs> The world's coming to an end is that they're going to want to keep moving or are they not? Because we just really saw that data break down in those, you know, first 90 days where, 
you know, the candy company was shut down, but the, you know, the chemical company was pivoting into making hand sanitizer. So they doubled, you know, and so it was just a real interesting aspect of how everything washed out in the end. And uh, not that essential or not is going to keep us from working with them or not, but it's just something to look at, you know, and be diversified in. And, you know, so that's just what we're going to continue to do is just keep getting diversified and find technology and ways in which to, you know, make it easier for our customers to move their freight and for carriers to get to do business with us. Um, I think Global Trans is, again, a great partner for any, you know, carriers that want to work with uh, with a solid broker and get treated well. Um, you know, we, we work really hard with uh, our, our particular truckload team to make sure that, you know, our carriers are happy because we realize that if our customers aren't happy because of that, then nobody is. So, um, yeah, so it's, we're just going to keep doing that. We're going to keep adding people, keep uh, trying to, you know, harness the new technology and the new wave of it all and just, uh, you know, keep pushing forward, right? Got you. Do you think in 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 the future you'd you'd always want to remain with Global Trans? Is that like you guys are pretty have a pretty good relationship? Or? Yeah, yeah. You know that's possible. You know, I'm, I never say never. I mean, we do have an opportunity to kind of be free agents on occasion, and yeah. uh, so we'll see when that time comes. But uh, it's uh, there's a lot of other companies that are you know like Echo Global Logistics, a lot of competitors, Priority One that kind of work in our type of model um, where they've got. You know, they're a brokerage, but they've got real good brokers that are inside the business that are um, doing what they need to do. And they're all small, kind of entrepreneurial minded. And uh, I think those are our biggest, you know, competitors and people that we like to compete with. And um, they may or may not pass us, you know, but, you know, I, I, I want to uh, just make sure, you know, when you're working with customers is you got to kind of bring, you got to bring the tech now, you got to bring the tech. And right. Ubers in the space, uh, you know, uh, convoys out there now, and so it's it's just it's a lot of customers. If if your customer hasn't been contacted by one of those two companies, they will. <laughs> right. So you you just got to be able to have like something to say when like your customer goes, "Hey, Uber called me, and they can put all my freight on an app." And you're like, "Well, it's a little more complicated than that." But yeah, so that's that's the real goal. Gotcha. Would you ever want to get into any asset uh, base? Possible. You know, I like, you know, having seen that early in my career, I understand it and I like it. Um, I think, uh, again, there's a lot of interesting things happening there with technology, you know, and autonomous trucking and and stuff like that. And I know that there's a lot of concern on truck drivers part, but I I honestly don't think that the truck driver is going anywhere soon. They're just going to be pilots, you know, and they're just going to, it's going to shift. It's going to be better for them. It's going to be less, you know, strenuous. Um, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to drive long stretches. <laughs> you know, I know, I know. I got mad respect for these guys to do it because it's it, that's not easy, especially everybody weaving in and out of them. You know, so anything we can do to harness technology to make it safer for them and everybody else, you know, I'm in favor for. So I find the asset side very interesting, very very interesting. Awesome, awesome. Well, Tyson, we're 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 about to start wrapping it up. We've been rocking out for about an hour. I appreciate you so much for coming on the show, sir. Um, before we go. I have to get your final thought. I always ask my guests to give a final thought. And that's just something you want to leave the audience with. It could be, you know, something inspirational, something about entrepreneurship, whatever's on your heart. And then just let everybody know where they can connect with you, um, your LinkedIn, Twitter, so forth and so on, where they can reach out and say, what's up? So let's start with the final thought. Final thought. Final thought. I would probably say try to train your mind with a little bit of empathy. You know, and I think that's a word that's been thrown around a lot um, on you know, in, in the world lately, but I think more so in business needs to be applied. And I think it's the secret sauce. You know, I once saw it as a weakness and I see it as a strength now, just because if you lead with that, you can understand what needs you're fulfilling. And, and uh, as a broker and what we do, that's what we got to do. So, you know, try to lead with more empathy in your life and uh, everybody can me. All right. LinkedIn's the best place. Go to LinkedIn, look me up on LinkedIn. You go to Twitter, Tyson at, Sean, uh, at Tyson Sean, S-C-H-O-E-N. Um, that's about it. But uh, or without failure, you can't have success. So don't be afraid to fail, you know, and own your own your failures and learn from them. And you'll get back. That's a fact. He said, without failures, you can't have success. Thank you, Tyson Lawrence. I appreciate it, man. Welcome to the Hustle fam. Shared a ton of value. 
Thank you so much, man. This this was awesome. Yeah, thank you, Ramel. This has been great. I'm glad we connected, and hopefully, we can do it again in the future. Definitely, I got to get out there to Cal to to sunny California, man. Yeah, you got to come on out and visit. You know, especially right now, I know you guys need some sun and. Some- <laughs> <laughs> for sure brother alright hustle All right. fam if you smell something burning it's only your desire and we are out if you like what you heard it's only gonna get better make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment let us know what you wanna learn or hear more about till next time love is love truck and hustle <laughs>